Amen. Have you been blessed so far? Wow, God is here. He's moving in our midst. Amen. I just want to give a quick testimony about Mario. And even though he doesn't know me, I've been blessed by him. In May of 91, I had rededicated my life to the Lord. I was in college, just finished my first year of college. And I was on fire for God. And when you're on fire for God, you stay up late and watch TBN late. Because that's when all the cool people are preaching anyway. <laughs> and it was late night TV, and then I found Mario Murillo. As I began to listen to his program week after week, God began to do something in my heart. Fire. Passion. His message and the anointing on his life began to transform me on the inside. I wanted to be the Christian the devil warned you about. <laughs> Critical mass. I was going to be the personal embodiment of critical mass. Fresh fire, fresh impact. I have all of them. <laughs> Some might call me a super fan. I don't know. In fact, when I met my then-girlfriend, now I'm wife, I would make her stay up late with me <laughs> and watch Mario. Like, get some fire, woman, come on. We're going to win the world for Jesus. And it was his message that fueled my evangelistic heart. 96, I had a, a band. We traveled all through East Central Indiana, and everywhere we went, we gave an altar call. Everywhere we went, I would give an invitation. We saw over 100 kids get saved that year. We planted this church in 97. I was leading our evangelistic efforts in those days. and We were doing a ministry at that time called Hell's Reality House. First year we did it, we had 600 people come through. And I had the honor of giving the altar call every night. We saw 200 people either rededicate their lives or give their life to Christ for the first time. There was fire in my soul because of the message of this man. In fact, in 95, I tried to call your office and get a fresh impact. <laughs> but we didn't have this church, and it was, I was in a tiny little church, and they, they thought, well... Find some more people, and then we'll come to your city. <laughs> but you know what? Thanks to some great relationships. You know, building relationships in the region are so important to us. It is so important to us that we connect with the body of Christ in this area because it is up to us to come together and to change our state, to change this world. So it's guys like Carmine who is one of those regional fellas that you just love. It was because of him that we were able to have Mario come to this area. So I'm going to introduce Carmine to come up and 
he's going to share just a minute or two about <laughs> what, what Mario means to him. No. This is Carmine. Everybody, let's, let's let him know we love him. <laughs> I just leaned over to Mario and said, that's an introduction right there. That's it. It's, but, no, you know what? That was kind of awesome because I have the total opposite, and I'm not going to share everything, but I had no idea who Mario Marilla was. Amen? Amen? But I knew who Jesus was when I got saved. Praise God. And I know that when Jesus brought him into my life, I had to honor the man of God. Praise God. And, you know, God, he, he's going to do some stuff in your life, and he's going to mess up a lot of your theology. Seriously. And when he came to Upper Room, which was the church I got saved in in New York, he kind of messed everything up, you know. He kind of messed up all the same old, same old in everybody's life. Amen. And I, I just want to ask you a question. How many people here are just sick and tired of the enemy? Amen. How many people are sick and tired of being sick and tired? Praise God. So just open your mind. Let God just do what God does. Let's bring the man of God right away. I don't want to waste time. Let's welcome Mario Murillo. Now, thank you. Stand up and clap louder for Jesus than you did for me. You know what's fun is when a professional wrestler tightens the neck on the... I feel manly all of a sudden. I Hallelujah. Well, I finally made it to Newcastle. I'm excited. I am. I'm excited. I, since the moment I came to Indiana, I've been having the time of my whole life. Calling my wife every night saying, there are normal people in America. Thank you, God. And uh, <coughs> if we have a bottle of water, that would be good, too. Okay. We're, we're going to be fine. And I have watched the Holy Spirit working in the Indianapolis area. I even posted a blog that was read by thousands of people yesterday all over the United States. And uh, the Internet and the blog and uh, Facebook, I told them, I said, if there's one city ready to fall to Jesus, it is the Indianapolis, Indiana area. It's about to fall to Jesus. It is. Uh, pastor said hell's reality house I thought he was talking about the White House <laughs> and uh, you know every four years we get the, basically the same three choices Mo, Larry or Curly boy I'm going to get in trouble tonight I can see you all are so rowdy and so beautiful. I love you so much. Uh, Pastor Ron over here and uh, Sister Terry from uh, Creekside. These two individuals terrify the devil like few people on the planet. You know, would you give them a great big hand? They're, they're here tonight. 
the best thing about Indianapolis area in the move of God is the unity between leaders. I told him from the jump, I've been saying it every night, that is the most precious miracle that God has done. And it's rare. In America, it's like trying to find lips on a chicken. My Bible college professor told me to use metaphor. It's getting wonderful over here. Before it's done, now I want a canteen. And the, the, can I say it, the unity between the brethren and the sisters in the Lord in leadership is priceless. And we've got to do everything in our power to maintain that unity in the bond of love. In the bond of love. Now, pray in the language of the Holy Ghost right now. Every one of you, start praying. Pray louder. Pray louder. Something's happening in here. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, you know, we're here for him. Keep praying. We're here for him. You're, you're going to feel something happening. Now begin to clap your hands right now. Begin to clap your hands. Now throw a shout on top of that. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. Come on. Break every chain. Break every chain right now. Don't wait. Let it rise. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain right now. Glory to God. I am from California, the land of the latte limousine liberal. We have a governor who's so open-minded his brains have fallen out. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you a story tonight, and I, I also want to tell, I've said it every night, uh, I so am grateful for the sound people, the people that run the sound. They are so important. They are so critical. And, um, I, you know, I, you, you, you don't notice them unless something goes wrong. And that's sad. <laughs> so we want to notice them while they're doing it right. And uh, since I don't have a monitor, and uh, I just want to tell you that my voice and my body has been supernaturally sustained this week.
And last night in Martinsville, we saw a drenching of the Holy Spirit like maybe I haven't seen in 20 years. Can I tell you that? What we, what we saw last night, and it was not in my mind, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, that it didn't feel promising when I got up. And the Lord came on the scene. I feel the same way about tonight before I get into this message. And I have a strong rule against introductory remarks. I don't believe in them. I believe you just start preaching. You, in other words, tell us the truth, don't introduce the truth. That's just me. Now, I don't believe that a preacher ever has a right to be boring. One day there was a preacher who was so boring. It's kind of like an IQ test. But you did real good. He was so boring that he made a man in the back row so mad he went out in the yard, got a brick to throw it at him. Came back and launched the brick right at the preacher. But it fell short of the glory. And clocked a guy on the back of his head on the front pew. The guy in the front pew staggered to his feet, and he said, hit me again. I can still hear him. <laughs> there is a lot been said this week in every meeting about being on fire for God, about miracles, about the move of God. And I have steadfastly maintained all week one conviction. We've got to win America back to Christ. We've got to. When I saw the unity and I saw the love between the leadership and the, the fact that for the first time in I can remember that I was in separate venues every night and I felt like God was building a ring of fire around the city. How many of you believe that? You believe that? The third thing that I noticed is the love of truth that you have. Nobody needs to warm you up with stuff. You want the Bible. How many of you love the Bible? And um, I do things. Whenever anything becomes unpopular, I start doing it. And one of them is today, it's not fashionable to preach from the Old Testament. Somehow it's supposed to mean that you don't believe in grace. Well, the Old Testament wouldn't have happened without grace. Well, that was good. Look. Sometimes you have to lead by example. So tonight, I have saved the best for last. Yeah? Yeah? 
How many of you want to hear from the Word of God? How many of you want to hear from the Word of God, really? All right, here we go. In a moment, I'm going to have them put a verse on the screen. Not yet, but in a moment, they will. The war on our young men is a disaster. It is one of the single worst problems we have in our culture is the war on our young men, which is also, by the way, a war on manhood. Now, we need men. I'm going to try this. Don't anybody think I'm being judgmental. We need masculine men. We have a certain kind of male in California, not what you think. Although San Francisco is a fishing resort that's run by interior decorators. How many of you are glad to be in church on Friday night? Huh? Yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, they're called snags, snags. It's an acronym for sensitive new age guys. And the way they bed down women and they meet them in bars and get them to sleep with them is by being sensitive. My boyfriend tells me how he feels. That might, that's not always a good thing. You know, one time I heard Michael Jackson sing, I'm bad, I'm bad, you know it. Well, you know what? If I was in an alley and it was dark and a hand grabbed me from behind and I turned around and it was Michael Jackson, I'd be relieved. I'd go, thank God, Michael, it's you, you know. Clap your hands, everybody. Come on. We're having fun tonight. We're going to have a great time. Great time. Young lady, you don't want a man who maybe can express all his feelings but can't protect you. You know, if somebody came after you, young lady, you don't want him to run behind you and say, Oh, I just had my fingers manicured. I can't. How many of you know you want a good man? Raise your hand. Say amen. How many of you know you want a man that can hold a job? You don't want a man that says, my mother makes the best brisket. <laughs> you want a fairly decent looking man, right? No, come on, give me an amen, ladies, all right? You don't want a man who looks like you could push his face in dough and make monster cookies. Now, I've said all those jokes, and I'm going to get a little bit serious. Sometimes it's hard for people to segue, and I want to be merciful to allow a little bit of a buffer. But there is a war on young men. And one of the wars on young men is the idea of vision and the entrepreneurial spirit that made America great. America was built by men that had fearless vision. That's what's wrong now. 
One of my favorite commercials of all time was the Geico commercial where they said that a, a Marine DI would make a terrible therapist. <laughs> Who remembers that one? The guy's, the snag is laying there. And I think that's why the color yellow scares me. That's why the color yellow makes me feel bad. And the Marine goes, you know what makes me feel bad? <laughs> and I believe that this problem of the diluting of manhood is not new. It has happened through the centuries. And it is cycled through society. And one day, I'm going to tell you something about radical change. If I were to do a little Bible contest, say, who was the most radically altered individual in the New Testament, Saul of Tarsus would probably win, hands down. No doubt about it. They're to the subatomic level, he met God and was translated into an absolute nuclear reactor for the gospel. Somebody clap and give the Lord praise. You believe that? Wasn't he? The testimony of Paul the Apostle to the devil is that God can, in an hour when the church looks weak and divided and hopeless, he can find a secret weapon in the most unlikely place. Now, the question of who was the most radically altered individual in the Old Testament gets a little more complicated. There's several candidates. You could say Moses, 80 years old, gumming applesauce at Leisure World. <laughs> Friday night, folks, you know. Whatever I'm going to get in, I got to get it in tonight. Now look, he was changed by the power of God. Wave your hand at me. But he wasn't. And even the, the Old Testament says that he wasn't. You could say David went from a 12-year-old boy to an, a giant killer in one afternoon. You can go through the Old Testament say Abraham. A Abraham would be an amazing candidate for a transformed man. But the Bible tells us who he was. And before I tell you who he was, I want you to see what the Bible said about him. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25. And I'm hoping this is the right version. Now, it says, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him, did any arise like him? Now, before we go any further, there's a backstory, and there always has to be a backstory. This man became king at the age of eight. All right? This man became the king of Israel, of Israel at the age of eight. And I want you to listen to this story. His father was evil, his grandfather was the most evil king in the history of Israel. He killed every single prophet that there was except one. And that was Zephaniah who was woken up by the Lord one day and the Lord and his uh, name was kept by the Lord. 
So he lived up to his name, got out of there, and his life was spared. You have Manasseh, the grandfather. You have Joash, the father. And now we have the eight-year-old becoming king with no moral compass. You know, my generation was immoral. Your generation is not immoral. My generation was immoral in that we looked at the Ten Commandments and said, I'm going to rebel against them. It says, don't commit adultery. We're going to. The boomers said, the rules, we understand them. We're going to break them. The next level is amoral, without a moral structure. It's like Jesus is the answer. What is the question? And without a moral structure, you have an amoral society. It doesn't mean they're bad, and it doesn't mean they're good. It means that there is in them no fuse for a radical change. Now, this is the first youth generation where every hairstyle is in style. Am I right? Look at me right now. Every hair, from skinhead to four-foot-long hair, it's all in. And in Lady Gaga's case, every week she has a new style and other features. What I'm trying to tell you is that Josiah was this American youth culture. He is that. If I had time this week to sit with all the leaders and give you some information that I feel the Holy Spirit has given me. You see, look, look at me right now. My problem is I love America. I love America with all my heart. The only reason I started seeking to let the Lord use me to see signs, wonders, and healings of people's bodies is because it would win souls. I don't care to write a book on healing. I don't care to be known as a healer. I'm really not interested in people being dazzled by the gifts of the Spirit. I want to see my nation turn back to God. I want to see my nation turn back to God. Part of that involves information and discernment and knowing the cultural time that you're in. It is easier to take a generation that's immoral and reach them because you can, you can say this is the structure that you've rebelled against. This is the consequence that you have reaped as a result of that rebellion. That's how many baby boomers turned to Christ. They started to see that the rules that they had violated were really actually detrimental, the lifestyle, and they sought God. Now, this youth generation doesn't know, and I'm going to say it very carefully. They don't understand several things, that America didn't happen because we were intelligent or the land was rich. The, the in, listen, the Declaration of Independence was written by a 24-year-old man who didn't even refer to a dictionary when he wrote it. His hand was being moved by a force he didn't understand. The American Constitution stands as the most superior doctrine for running a group of people. From the Word of God, it, it emanated. But that we've got, and that's why public enemy number one to me are the secular progressive college professors. They are the bullies, and they're the ones I go after.
day, hallelujah, how many of you don't mind if I preach a little bit? You know, this brother right here, I love this brother right here. He's my private amen corner. The rest of you have to earn it. <laughs> Josiah was milk toast. He watched Oprah. He had feelings. He didn't think anybody was wrong. Quit judging me. You can't judge me. I'm absolutely not. Right now, I don't even know what species you are. <laughs> I can't judge you. I can't define you. Am I this? Am I that? What am I? And here's the disaster in our nation. Is that they're being lied to that the government has to save them. And that's a disaster. So the, the argument is, and believe me, people that are far more intelligent than I have made this point, that the youth of the American nation are hopeless. They're, they're falling behind in science, in technology. They're undisciplined, blah, blah, blah. On and on and on it goes. Well, the poster child for that is this king who will now give him a name, Josiah. And Josiah is 24 years old, and he's now eating warm cookies with bland milk and trying to find himself. He has failed to launch. Failed to launch. More and more and more, I'm listening to young men talk to me about, I don't know what I'm really going to do with my future. Part of it has to do with the fact that their future has been bought and paid for and indebted by a runaway government. We know that. I'm not being conservative or liberal right now. Those are just the facts. All right. Now, Josiah is that. He can't work up a conviction. He cannot stir an animated reaction to anything. And one day, a guy walks into his palace and hands him a book. He opens the book, reads a few pages, and a sound comes out of him that his mama had never heard. The kitty cat turned into a lion in reading one paragraph of a book. He tears his shirt open and proceeds to enact the most violent, fiery revival in the history of all of Israel. So the Bible said, out of the ground of no conviction came the greatest conversion of all time. So now I'm going to say it. If I don't get an amen, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might sit here and cry and get snag tendencies. And wouldn't that be ironic? Out of a soil with no nutrient of conviction, greatness, vision, entrepreneurial, nothing. Out of that dirt came the most violent, righteous king in Jewish history. So I'm going to say to the devil right now, the youth that you think have no DNA for revival, the youth that you think cannot change America, God can fall on them and make them the most radical Christians. 
I need to shout a little bit. I need to get excited. One of the strangest phrases you'll ever read in the Bible is, we'll, we'll look at this. First, first, he got everyone saved very quickly. He said, if you don't turn to God, I'll execute you. That just had a way of motivating the Jews. Turn to God or die. That works. You... Let me show you how thoroughly he used the Lysol of God on the nation. Look at me. Don't let these phrases go by you. Write them down as quickly. No, I'm joking. Here, here it is right here in the name of Jesus. If you read the history of the kings of Israel, you'll find in every chapter there was reformation, and at the end there's a disclaimer. But the high places were not removed. And they say they got rid of the spiritists and they did this, but the high places were not removed. And then you'll read it again, and this and that happened. They went down to the, and, but the high places were not removed. In the sense of reading 2 Kings 23, he got rid of the spiritists. He got rid of the idols. And he tore down for the first time, 355 years, he tore down the high places. Let's give God the glory. Come on, let's give God the glory. Now, with your help, can I say this to you? We've had many almost revivals. I want a real one. I want the one that tears down the high places and restores the image of God in this nation. And I believe God has chosen our youth to do it. And I believe he's not only chosen our youth to do it, but some of the rowdiest, meanest, unbelieving, most confused, metrosexual are going to be changed by the power of God and turned into warriors for Christ. Let's clap our hands right now. And be excited. Be excited. Now, one of the strangest phrases in the Bible is found in the 17th verse of 2 Kings 23, if we look at that for a moment. He said, uh, he said, what gravestone is that that I see? So the men told him, it is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. He had done so much to clean up the nation that he came to this gravestone and it was marked different than any other grave in Israel at that time. So leaving that verse up there, I want all of you to look at me and understand that sin can be traced in a nation to a single individual. Think of the monumental statement that I just made right there. That's why when people say you, that the leadership isn't important, it's everything. Because sin can be traced to a single individual. In this case, it was a man by the name of Jeroboam. And I'm going to tell you his backstory just for a moment. But I promise not to get too thick with this, okay? 
Jeroboam seized on a national leadership vacuum. We've just seen that happen recently. And he sang a good song and he sell, sold a bill of goods and said, this is what I can do for you as a nation. You just listen to me. And what had happened is Solomon, the son of David, created the vacuum. You see, before we blame liberals for taking over the nation, we have to understand that when conservatives were in power, they bungled some of their leadership. And there was a vacuum. And there's no doubt about it that there was a vacuum and a retaliation. Watch what happened. This is interesting how history repeats itself, isn't it? Now, how many of you are still excited? Nobody's ready to get a brick on me yet, right? All right, so the fact of the matter is that Solomon's son, Rehoboam, was arrogant. He didn't know God like his daddy did. And when his daddy died, he went to the elders, and they said, this is how you ought to rule. And he said, I'm not going to do it that way. Then he went with his friends to the man cave, and they all decided, this is how we're going to rule Israel. He said, we're going to increase taxes and diminish services. So the people did something interesting. They looked at Rehoboam, Jeroboam, excuse me, Rehoboam. I'm going to get my bombs right. And they said to him, we're no longer Israel. Now, you remember we talked about the ten lost tribes of Israel? This is when it happened. House of David, we're not going to have anything to do with you anymore. So one day the devil speaks to Jeroboam, the new leader, who says, I'll take you in a new direction. And he says, I've got to, Satan says to him, you have got to keep them from going back to God. How do you keep a nation from going back to God? Look at me. How do you keep them? You pervert their celebrations and their festivals and their holidays. So he got himself a golden idol. He put it in the altar of Bethel, and he took two drunks and said to them, they are priests. The next thing you do to destroy a nation, not only do you pervert the memory, you pervert the 4th of July, you pervert the celebration of the Constitution, you get offended over a term like Merry Christmas, and you start to redefine the nation in a whole new light. Right? Now, so then the next thing you do is you cheapen the requirements of preachers. Anybody can be a priest. The Levitical rules went out the window. And, and here two men stood there who shouldn't have been there. And the Bible tells us exactly what happened. We're going to look at 2 Kings, 1 Kings 13. We're going to read verse 1 through 5. But while it's up there, before we read it, everybody look at it. Clap your hands for the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Say Hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. So, so this is important. Two drunks are priests. False God waited on the day of a Jewish holiday. Lest they return to David, we've got to pervert the holiday. Now, on the day that he did this, you're going to learn this about God. And I, man, God always has a voice in every generation. He always has a voice. And no matter what you do to hermetically seal a nation against God, God will get in there 
and he'll take care of business. Now let's read this story. And behold, a man of God went from Judah, we don't even get a name, to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. Now here's how I want to rephrase this just a little bit to give you an understanding. He doesn't even talk to the king. He talks to the altar. And he's saying this, on you were burned ashes to the glory of God. On you were made sacrifices that are legitimate, and now you're being perverted. How many of you hate the way the Supreme Court, the Congress, and the laws of America have been twisted now? How many of you hate it? This prophet is speaking from his heart that very thing. He's talking about how this thing is going to happen. Altar, O oh altar, says the Lord. Behold a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. How is God going to change our youth culture from drugs and sex and unbelief and amorality? Through the power. There are five things that change a person. Hate, love, ambition, and love. And the fifth is more powerful than the other four put together. Because of the power of it, I wanted you to see this. 355 years later, is an amoral kid like American young man, and he doesn't know what he was born to do. And one day they bring him a book. And this was the book of 1 Kings. What he read was that. Somebody starts shouting to the Lord. So what he read was, what am I born to do? Who am I? The, and then he, what would you do if you saw your name in a 300-year-old newspaper predicting your birth and what you were going to do with your life? Every young man, look at me. I'm going to see what happens when I say this. Don't worry, I'm going to talk to the young women in a moment, too. But I want every one young man to look at me. Your name is in the book. There it is. It's right there. The most explosive thing that can happen is when a man identifies the season they're living in and connects it to a specific prophecy. One time when it was done, it birthed the entire church of Jesus Christ because Peter stood up and said these words, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I will pour out my spirit in the last days and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, here's what I want to do right now. It says sons and daughters. Do you believe in women preachers? 
Do you believe in women preachers? I have been so influenced by women of God. I have, my life has been shaped by so many powerful women of God, I can't even tell you. Miss Kuhlman was a powerful force in my life. Amy McPherson's ministry was a powerful force in my life. And anybody that has struggled with that, let's read it. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You believe that? Now, what, where are we going with all of this? Let's go to 2 Kings 23, verse 15. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, we're 35, 355 years, we're back to the future. Which Jeroboam, the son of Napat, made Israel sin. Made Israel sin. Now, if you don't believe that you can trace the power of the wickedness of a country to a single set of facts and individuals, then I'm going to tell you what I believe to be the two most destructive years in modern American history. And I put them on a level with the Civil War. From 1962 to 1964, our nation was devastated. And it was devastated in a way that is absolutely unbelievable. And I want you to look at me and listen. First, we had prayer banned in the classroom. Approximately 75 million children were praying this prayer that I'm going to mention. Lord, we ask your blessing on our parents, our leaders, our teachers, and ourselves. Amen. Now, I don't care what that child was thinking. We had a prayer of blessing going up every day from 75 million kids. How many of you believe that did something? No, how many of you believe that did something? It did something to marriage. It did something. And when we assaulted our children, adults declaring war on children, you cannot pray. It wasn't but a few months later that we passed another law that told the child, you cannot live. Now, interestingly enough, the year before the prayer ban and the year before abortion was legalized in the United States, 100,000 kids that year ran away from home. The first year that we lost these two laws, or we gained them rather, one million young people ran away from home. We saw a tenfold increase. Into the vacuum of that came the Beatles from England. Within a, within a stretch of a matter of less than 36 months, look at me, in less than 36 months, we inherited the drug problem. Marriage and divorce doubled. Runaways were everywhere. And we were embroiled instantly in the Vietnam War. The nation changed overnight, and it could be traced to individuals. Now, I believe that that curse is going to be lifted off the United States. I believe that curse. Now, now and I, I left one little aspect out, and I'm going to say it now. Look me right in the eye. Our national debt began then. 
It wasn't something that just happened when uh, in, in the year 2008. That national debt was going on for a while. And even when we weren't in debt, the wheels were in place for our finances to be destroyed in a, in a moment. Now here we are. God is going to pour out his spirit on the United States. Amen. Glory to God, somebody. Amen. Glory to God. The thing that hit me so hard is I've been in prayer every day. And the Lord said to me, son, what are you seeing in Indianapolis? What are your eyes seeing? What are you watching? And I don't think you realize this unless you travel a lot like I did. But there is literally a change of atmosphere when I walked into Indianapolis. There's a change in the atmosphere. The despair, the anger that I feel everywhere else, I didn't feel it when I got off the plane and I walked. I didn't feel any demonic spirits in my hotel room, and that's, that's like ubiquitous. I always feel that. I didn't feel any. And I said, God, what is going on around here? And what I'm telling you is going on is God has chosen this region of the world. Somebody, he's chosen it. He's chosen it. I don't know about you, but I do not want to disobey God. And out of this city is going to come a powerful group of young men that are going to dream gigantic dreams. I want you to remember, I hope this is being recorded, because I want you to remember in five years, that I told you about this. God is going to send weapons out of this city to help win the rest of the United States back to God. Oh. I'm going to ask every young man that's here to stand up. If you're uh, 30 years old or younger, sir, please stand up right now. Let's get you up, up on the ground, off the ground right now. Glory to God. We're going. Glory to God. All of you young men, point your arm at these young men right now. Glory to God. Your dream's going to come true. The project's going to be completed. You're going to cross the finish line. It's going to happen. It doesn't have to do with an, uh, a diploma or human favor. It's supernatural. It's in the ground. Somebody lay hands on every one of these young people just one nearby, lay hands on these young men.
You know, open your heart right now. I'm not going to generalize about what you think. I'm not calling you amoral. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm saying one thing, that there are enemies against your life, and that we're praying right now for God to give you a supernatural miracle, that God is going to do the supernatural and the most important and significant things that he could possibly do. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, come upon these young men and give them dynamic hope. Dynamic hope. Everybody pray for dynamic hope. God, help them to understand that you're going to speak to them. You're going to give them a vision. You're going to give them power. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Speak life on them. Speak life on them in Jesus' name. Lord, the power and the glory and the anointing. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that they are touched by God, that they are blessed by God, that they're given truth from God, and their future is assured. Hallelujah. There are beautiful things happening right now. Now pray for their healing in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody clap your hands right now. And, if, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit's leading you to do, you obey him right now. You obey him right now. Now, I need everyone to pray in the language of the Holy Spirit because God has turned this place into a surgical ward. God is doing a miracle right now. Glory to God. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, there's so much power in this place right now. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Glory to God. I tell you, Satan doesn't like this right now. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like this. We're, go we're getting a little too close. I'm watching a man in the front of this church being healed by the power of God right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Debilitation is leaving you right now, my brother. Debilitation in your leg. God is not just healing your muscles and bone. He's healing your nerves, brain cells. He's doing a miracle right now. I'm telling you, this is going to be a miracle you're going to read about. It's a wonderful moment. I give you the glory. Everybody just receive from the Lord. Raise your hand right now. Just receive from the Lord.
Now I'm going to need every young woman, I'm going to use the word now, 30-ish and under. Stand up right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. Lay hands on their shoulder if they're near you. Begin to pray for these young women. Glory to God. Glory to God. Your gender is not going to limit you in what God can do you, through you in your life. That's not going to be a limitation. God is going to give you the power to think creatively, originally, and powerfully, and boldly. Glory to God. Most important, because you have a father who loves you with unconditional love, you're going to be protected in Jesus' name. God's protection is going to be on you. Lord, release their destiny and make them unstoppable in the name of Jesus. Lord, release the destiny and make them unstoppable in the name of Jesus. God, let every good thing that you have for them be revealed right now. And Lord, wherever Satan has attacked their emotions, their mind, or even threatened to use their past, they are set free and it is a lie and it will not happen and it will not stand. Glory to God. Pray a little bit louder now. Pray just a little bit louder right now. Take the time to infuse life into that, that young woman's life. Glory to God. Hope. Hope. Direction. Peace. You're going to know what you're supposed to do with your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Man, I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. It's deep right now what the Lord's doing in this room. Man, I've been waiting all week for this night right here. I've been waiting all week for this night. You all may be seated. Let's clap our hands and give God the glory. I know I did not uh, give you advance notice, but I may ask for a verse out of the book of 2 Chronicles 29. Verse 10, and we're going to look at it. Oh, no, he's in the Old Testament again. <laughs> now, here's your big chance to give me a loud amen. All power with God begins with a covenant. Believe that? Covenant is a very powerful weapon in the hand of God. Tonight, we don't have time to get into it because we're, we're near the moment where we're going to minister to the sick, and I believe the Lord's going to touch people, and I thank you, Jesus, for your power. Now, 
looking at this verse, the king said, now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord, God of Israel, that his fierce wrath turn away from us. Put your hand on your heart. I'm going to ask you the most urgent question that when I look back on my visit to Indianapolis, and I have begged God to let me come back soon. And let me tell you, I really want to come back because I believe so much in the revival that's about to burst forth in this city. It's so amazing. Put your hand over your heart. Prophecies are real. Predictions are real. We just saw that God even used the name 300 years in advance, 355 years to be exact. Now, do you believe that God has prophesied a revival over the Indianapolis area? Do you believe that? Now, God has said it, but that doesn't seal it. What seals it is that we say yes to the Lord. We say yes to the price tag, yes to the flexibility, and we are making a covenant with God right now. Now, because other folks may get to hear this audio uh, sermon, I'm going to say it as if I were speaking to the thousands of spirit-filled believers and those that love God and are seeking revival in the Indianapolis area. We are making a covenant with God. God has sent the unity. Look at me. We did not earn this unity. We did not make it happen. God deposited on the hearts of men. But God is now looking for a response. And we say, yes, Lord, we want your revival. We agree to your terms. We, we agree to your price tag for us to adopt and embrace, and we will not orphan this move of God. But we will do it in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Now, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. The most exciting news of all. You ready? We're going to win thousands of souls. We're going to win thousands of souls. How many of you love souls getting saved? How many of you love souls getting saved? More than anything. There is no revival without people being born again. There's no such thing as God just exciting his own. He goes after the lost, and that's what's going to happen. You know, I, I began last night to feel a trembling about the colleges in this region. And I began to feel that an old feeling I had when I was in Berkeley. And I'm telling you, I sense. I, I just began to feel my mouth water about preaching on those campuses right here. Calling those students out of darkness into light and watching God turn them into lions for his glory. How many of you love the times you're living in? How many of you are glad you're here for this right now? 
<laughs> it's going to get nothing but better, and I believe that with all my heart. Hallelujah. If you need healing in your body, please listen. If you need a miracle of healing in your body, the Lord is here to touch you. Every night we have watched God give us and give me his unworthy servant, by the way. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It's by mercy and grace that God even does a single healing in, in our meeting. But the graciousness of God, the effortless flow of healing has been amazing. And tonight we're going to do it a little bit different. And I'm going to tell you this. I want you to learn the lesson of Naaman the leper before you prayed for it to be healed. He had leprosy. The Jewish girl that was a domestic and worked in his kitchen with his wife said, if only my Lord would go to Israel, the prophet would lay hands on him, he would be healed. That's a powerful statement. A little girl that was taken forcibly from her home and, and forced to live in a foreign country became an instrument for the most uh, general that God loved. He wasn't even a, a Jew, and God loved him because of his integrity. And he comes all the way to Israel. And he arrives at the home of Elisha the prophet, and the prophet will not come down and see him, but sends a note through Gehazi. And it says, go and dip in the Jordan River seven times, and you will be cleansed. And he got mad. He got mad. Look at me. Because he had a preconceived idea of how a healing service ought to go. And that is our problem, because we believe if Mara would walk down and, and read my mail and tell me everything that was wrong with me, I would be healed. But you know what? I'm going home in a few days. And, I, you know, I'm going to be flying home. But the healing power is not only going to stay here, it's going to accelerate. It's going to accelerate. There are going to be more healings after I leave than while I was here. So what we're doing is we're embracing a culture of signs and wonders. We're saying it's ours. Now, so you're going to do this right now. We already made a covenant with God to contain and, and endorse his revival. The next thing we're going to do is say this. Lord, you heal me. You heal me how you want to heal me. And I don't, the man of God may get a word for me. But if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because the word I need is the word from you. So now the, uh, the, uh, the highest ranking officer under the general looks at him and said, Master, if he had told you to do something hard, you would have done it. So we want the spectacular and the dramatic. I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, I don't want the spectacular and dramatic. I just want to get well. To me, that's spectacular. How many of you believe that? So now, in the name of Jesus, you get ready. Now, I'm going to look right here, and I'm, my, my dear, right here with blonde hair, and you have a, it looks like a scarf around your neck. Take your left hand, 
put it up for a moment and say, Jesus, use me. Now, you know the healing that you need? It's not going to come from me praying for you, but for you praying for someone else. Now, this man to your left with a beard that I'm jealous of, I want you to lay hands on his back. And you're being healed, my friend. God has chosen to heal you tonight. Put your other hand, dear, on his chest. Now, I know about your knees and your bones and your lungs and your heart. And I'm telling you, sir, you are like that general. You're an honorable man. You're a man of integrity. And you, you're a man of your word. When anyone does business with you, they don't even need to draw a contract because your word is your seal. That's what God said. You're being healed right now. And it's going to be your same mode of operation. I take God at his word. Just like my word is good when I give it, God's word is good when he gives it. This man doesn't know me. This man has no business saying this to me. But I know it's you, Lord, because I know your voice. And then, my dear, in the blonde hair, the healing is backing up on you. And you're being healed, too. Somebody act spiritual right now. Yeah, do that. That's that's a real miracle. Let me see what kind of reaction I get. I believe I'm going to be healed. Let me hear you say that. I believe I'm going to be healed. I didn't think I was going to get any words tonight. And, and I'm telling you, you are being healed right now from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. scoliosis you have scoliosis don't you you had it had it now you had it put your hand in the center of her back you see that what she's feeling right now is her legs are both straightening her spine is straightening glory to God you're actually going to be about an inch taller tomorrow and uh, and and now God is healing you of scoliosis God is healing you of hip damage, osteoporosis. You have brittleness in your bone, especially your right hip, causing excruciating pain. Because these folks may not know me, wave your hand at them and say, this is an accurate word. This man is, wave your hand and let them know. It's an accurate word. Somebody shout, give God the glory. Don't ever get used to this, folks. Don't ever get used to this. Always be thrilled by the move of God. Always be thrilled by the move of God.
You know, all of you just need to start praising the Lord just a little bit more. This, this wonderful man, this wonderful man, just lay hands on sir. This is not a normal, it's not business as usual. I don't do this. But expansion, expansion. No, I'm not talking about that. Amen. But there is something where God is giving you power, power to be touched and to watch something multiply. And it's starting to happen right now. So we're not in an era when, when, when men of vision and business, and that's why I said, Brother Rick, right here, God is going to capture the wealth of the wicked, and he's going to give it to the just. And the plan is being unfolded right now. And it's going to involve expansion right now. God is touching your body and healing you right now. I'm going to ask you to put your hand in the center of his chest right now in Jesus' name. Here's what the Lord said. No health crisis is going to interrupt the vision. The momentum is going to keep moving forward. It's going to be unchangeable, unstoppable. And it's going, to, it's going to do it right now. In fact, both of you are getting this same miracle. It's backing up on you, Brother Rick, right now. I need, I need some people to praise the Lord right now. This is a miracle from the hand of God. There it is. Glory to God. It is done. It is done, Brother Rick. How many of you believe that somebody could write a check for a million dollars for the gospel? How many of you believe that? Well, there's something that I want you to pray about that's going on right now that is very supernatural. The Lord may be on the verge of blessing us to be able to win souls on a level we never imagined. Turns out that I got a letter from Australia. And, and just bear with me. I promise I'm not going into the weeds on this deal. It's not going to be one of those testimonies where you're going like this. And they give you a minute-by-minute minute breakdown. Twenty years ago, I was preaching a conference in Adelaide. And there was a young man who was the son of a preacher, 22 years old, who was backslidden. He decided to come to this conference. had 10,000 people in it. And I'm speaking. He's there with 10,000. He is backslidden. He's only coming there to meet girls. Amen. And out of 10,000 people, the Lord asked me to have him stand up. And he thinks he's going to get rebuked by God, you lustful devil, backslider. And he's terrified when I said, son, stand up. And I had him stand up. And I spoke to him. And I want my brother here and Brother Rick to hear this word. I said to him, between the time that you leave this hall and get in your car, God is going to give you a miracle that it has to do with the medical industry. And you're going to invent something. Now, those Australians looked at, we let a ca crazy Californian come into our, our nation. 
Well, I, after 20 years, I just got a letter from this guy. He's going to meet me in San Francisco. Amen. And he said, the Lord gave me an invention for a reusable syringe. And I now am the leading producer of that in the Western world. He said, then the Lord gave me a patent for a second uh, invention, which is a machine that can dispose of medical waste. That is metal, glass, and paper all at the same time. He said, I've gotten a patent on it. He said, I just won a lawsuit in the, in the, in the Supreme Court of Australia for $100 million. How many of you believe it's time for him to tithe a little bit? I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Said, I'm going to be in San Francisco. I want to get together with you. And I wrote him back. I said, yes, you do. How many of you know we got to win the youth of this nation? We've got to win the youth of this nation. Now, I want you to listen to me, but I don't believe that God is prospering Indianapolis just with a spiritual revival, but an economic revival. Do you believe that? Wave your hand at me. You believe that? You know, the Bible does not just say the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, but it also teaches us that there has to be a plan. The wealth of the wicked isn't laid up for the just without a plan. And I believe that's what's happening right now. Everybody put your hand on your heart. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I believe that inventions, creative projects, things that will come out of nowhere, Lord, to capture wealth for the glory of God. Come on, pray in the language of the Holy Spirit. I believe that that's coming. I believe that we will not waste it on ourselves, that it will not become a materialistic, lavish lifestyle, but a supernatural endowment of the Holy Ghost for the sake of the King. Oh, I'm excited about that one. Everybody clap your hands right now. Clap your hands. I maybe would like to see every church mortgage paid off in the entire region, right? All of it. I'm going to accept that in Jesus' name. And since you brought up money, I'm going to just tell you lovingly that the churches of this region have opened their hearts to win the lost. Every night there's been a love offering received for a work. And, you know, there's not a lot that's needed to be said because the people are generous and they're taught in the word. The temptation might be for some of you to say, well, I was at another meeting and I already gave. How many of you know you don't walk into a restaurant and say, I ate here last week? How many of you believe it's time to give again? But, but let me just explain one thing that I'm very excited about in our ministry. We have received from the Lord a unique gift. In Flint, Michigan, we have reached young Muslim men to the point where the mayor of Flint made June 29th Mario Murillo Day in Flint, Michigan. Can you believe that? 
Now, we have received the key to the city from Toledo, Ohio. The mayor of Toledo, Ohio gave us the key to the city. The mayor of Flint, Michigan declared a day for, for us. And now we're receiving favor in the most impossible place, the government of the state of California. They are starting to open their heart to let us do some things that we really, really want to do. Now, what is, you know, I'm going to talk, talk to you just a little bit about it. So you'll pray. This is a prayer alert. You know how many gang members there are in L.A.? 250,000. How many of you didn't know there were that many? 250,000 gang members in Southern California. And these, these gangs are causing a wave of death that the media refuses to report. I was telling uh, Pastor Ron about how every day in the morgue in L.A., you could walk in there and see 400 youth with tags on their toes, say John Doe or Jane Doe. Nobody knows who their parents are. They're just bodies in the morgue. And they're not revealing what happens to those bodies. But let me tell you something. There are more young people being killed in L.A. than in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. That's the, that is what it is. Now, when we go in there with signs, wonders, and miracles, with the help of some really bold churches, these young people get saved. Now, I believe this, and I'm going to ask you just once. I'm going to say it as sweet as I could. How many of you believe in the principle of sowing and reaping? How many of you believe that if you sow to help me win youth on the West Coast, that God's going to send me back to reap a harvest of youth in Indianapolis? I really believe that. I really believe that. Now, here's the win-win of the Holy Ghost. The money you give will be immediately replaced with a bonus by God. So you won't miss it. Secondly, it's going to help me with these things that I've got to do. Now, we are, we are planning to bring in February. We want to bring, we're, and I'm, this is for prayer. We're going to bring Carmine and Jennifer to the West Coast. She needs to sing to gang members and drug addicts and people that are lost. How many of you believe that? She does. She needs to sing to them. And I believe her voice is, has a breaker anointing. When her voice goes out, it's going to break chains, and I'm going to come right behind it, and so is Carmine, and we're going to do harvesting, harvesting, harvesting. And I'll tell you what, we're going to come home, and we're going to bring it right here in Jesus' name. So that's all I'm going to say because that's all that needs to be said. We're going to make out the check to this church. The name, again, <laughs> here I'm talking about covenant. New covenant. How many of you believe we made a new covenant today? New covenant worship center. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get your gift ready. That's all I'm going to say about it. And I want to thank all of you that have already given this week, and I'm telling you, I am so grateful. It's going to make such a difference in everything that we're doing. So can they say, right, NCWC?
Just on your check, four letters, MCWC. And to God be the glory. How many of you love to give to the Lord? How many of you love to give to the Lord when you know souls are going to get saved because of it? That, that is such a thrill, and I thank you, Lord. And then I'm going to need some workers to come and receive this gift. And I, I just so thank the Lord for this night. Haven't we had an amazing night? Glory to God, we've had an amazing night. And I'll give you the signal, workers, when to start. You need a moment more to write your check. Let me see your hand if you need more time. Everybody's ready. Now, before we receive it, I want you to look at me. I believe so much that in this that I pray over it. I spend time in intercession over the offering. And, and I don't just say, Lord, please provide more than what we need so we can get it done. I, I say this. Let the giver have an experience soon afterwards that they will see that what they did produced a miracle from God in their life. Because the more that reputation gets started, the more souls we're going to be able to win. And I thank you, Lord, that that's exactly how I pray, that there will be a connection between this gift and the soul and the individual who sowed that they will see a harvest and they'll know this had to do with that. But here's the other part. This is what you say. But, Lord, even if you never multiplied it back, I just want to worship you and thank you for lost souls. Even if it never came back, Lord, I thank you that it does, but it's not because of that that I give in Jesus' name. How many of you are excited to give right now, are you? Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, go ahead and receive this gift. I'm going to tell you one thing. We are so excited about the fact that the Lord has also opened the door for us to preach at Harvard and Princeton in the month of March 2014. And I'm going to hoodwink Carmine and Jennifer to go up for that too. And... Uh, and uh, the way I get people to do things is I invite them in front of the whole church. This is how I've gotten things done for 30 years. It saves a lot of time. It's kind of a Pentecostal intimidation routine. Amen. But will you pray for me? How many of you will pray for me? I've had the time of my life in Indianapolis. Glory to God. I I've just had a wonderful, wonderful time. The last set of books that we have are in this room right now. So I'm going to tell you, if you intend on buying them, tonight's the night. Because they're going to be gone, likely, after this evening. And that is what I prayed for, because I don't want to take them home. The book, Reaching Critical Mass. If you have not read this book, raise your hand right now. Say, I repent before God. Wow. 
the Lord gave me this revelation on revival, and it has been stunning and humbling to see what this little book has done. It's gone around the world. We don't even know how many copies have been sold because they were printed in languages and South, they were sent to South Africa, Australia, Spain, Brazil, uh, Argentina. And you know, the miracle of this book is how it's been influencing leaders. When I heard Pastor talking about when he read it back in the 90s, this is an upgraded version of that. And Bill Johnson wrote the foreword. He wanted it to talk about what this book did to him. And he has stated flatly that this particular tome on revival is near the top of the list of all the books he's ever read that have changed his life. So this is $15 normally. Tonight it's 10 and you get this book edgewise free if you uh, buy this book. This is also a $15 book. How many of you know when something that normally costs $30 is available for 10 you are un-American if you don't. You're like un-American. It is communistic to pay retail. That's communistic. Now, if that weren't enough, some of you are just beasts for Christ, okay? Some of you are just fanatical. So on this, uh, Carmine loves to mention the other books I read, and he mentioned them too. I'm the Christian the devil warned you about and Fresh Fire. Well, the, all those books plus these two and 20 sermons and four DVDs and a bonus book by Charles S. Price, it's all on this. And if you bought that separately, it'd be $300. Now, I love the thumb drive myself because I can put it in my laptop and I've got everything. I've, I can scroll down, read all these books, listen to all these sermons, and uh, that's only $30. How many of you know that's a deal right there? Now, I must be crazy. Yes, but that's the end of that. Now, let's get to something very important. The revival is going to keep getting stronger in this region. And you're going to start hearing about God converting people before they get to church. And you're going to start hearing about people being healed that nobody prayed for. Because God is on the move. Now, we're not getting him to move. He's trying to get us to move. And he's going to run this thing. And stay humble, stay absolutely submitted to the will of God. Everybody, please stand up right now. Begin to clap your hands one last time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. The only thing I forgot to mention was the gimmick. We have a gimmick, and that is that I'm going to autograph your copy of Critical Mass if you buy it. I'll be back there and uh, because I want you to get it. And what a wonderful night. Keep your eyes closed. Bow your heads. Brother Carmine, would you come? And then pastor.
This has truly been a blessing for the city of Indianapolis. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just we just ask that you would just increase our faith, Lord, as we go today. Father, you would just allow us to see the supernatural things, Father, of you, Lord, that, that you would just give us increases in every part of our lives, Father. We ask that you would you would just create divine appointments everywhere we go, Lord. I ask that reconciliation in families be birthed tonight, Father. I, I ask that family members would come back home, Lord. Yes, children will return to their families, Father. This revival is not only going to shake the unsaved, but it's going to shake the houses of the people who know their God. Amen. It's going to encourage us to go stronger and harder after all the things of the Lord. Father, so I speak increase, Father, elevation in every avenue of our lives, Lord. Father, I even pray for our pastor at this church, his son, right now in the hospital room, Father. <laughs> what a lie, Father, from the enemy, Lord, that a young 19-year-old boy would be paralyzed from the waist down. I laugh at that lie. Ha, yeah, ha, ha, what a lie, Father. And we just send the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name, Father, to raise that boy out of that bed, Lord. Bring him home, Father. This revival needs every young man, Lord. We don't leave any behind, Father. We call him right now, Noel, come home to your family and lead the young men and women of this church on a fiery passion, Lord. A fiery passion, Lord, that will blaze this city of Newcastle and carry it to the city of Indianapolis, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. Let the newspapers start writing of the miracles of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen, amen. Listen, I, I got to share this one last thing. We're almost done. I was meeting with a group of pastors yesterday, and we were praying about direction for our city and our state what God wants us to do. And we were looking up some prophetic words that have been spoken about Indiana. This one was by Dutch Sheets, and I want to read it to you because uh, it just, it's, it's right with where we're at. It says, there are some new beginnings for America that are supposed to begin in Indiana. Maybe where God is going to strike first is this younger generation and the revival in the college campuses. It's going to start right here in Indiana. I saw the fire of God going from place to place, and I saw very clearly Notre Dame. I don't want to limit it to just one place because I saw a move of God's Holy Spirit literally overwhelm the universities. And it was a first strike. Chuck Pierce prophesied over Indiana. He says, the evangelistic gift will be restored in Indiana. You'll be ascending out from Indiana throughout the world. And you are an army in Indiana filled with God's presence and God's love. And then again, Dutch Sheets prophesies. And he says, there is a this is a forerunning state in the sense of covenant. <laughs> 
asking people to move to a higher level of covenant. First strike, Jericho, the place the captain shows up. The first strike of the captain, first strike people have to be people who insist on a heavenly strategy. Father, we thank you. We are a first strike state. Our campuses, our colleges will will host the revivals that will birth this nation into an awakening, God. And we agree with the word that's been spoken tonight. We agree with your will. We will carry revival. We will steward it, Father. And we bless you, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We want to thank you for being here tonight. Listen, we this Sunday night, we have a, a group of uh, people coming from Bethel and Reading. They're going to be ministering here. So it's going to be a second wave, a second dose if you want another dip in the river. Six o'clock, we're going to have that team here ministering in the power of God. So please, if you can, this Sunday, 6 o'clock, we're going to have him. God bless you guys. Enjoy your evening.